thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts? Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies, or by emailing BandBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Band Biographies with me, your host, Tom Austin Morgan. Band Biographies is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network of music-based podcasts. Be sure to visit pantheon.com to find a whole host of different types of show on all sorts of music. It's an honour to be placed amongst such brilliant shows. Today, I present an interview with Jason Potbelly, the co-lead vocalist, guitarist and driving force behind Washington-based punk band Potbelly. The band has been around and touring since 1995 and has built up quite the community by producing split EPs and compilation albums with a plethora of well-known and unsigned bands over the years, as well as relentlessly touring around North America. In fact, they've released over 100 recordings over the years, so much so that, as you'll hear, even Jason can't remember the names of them all. They're finally coming over to the UK this summer, and I'll be playing with them at their first show in London in July with my band Swamp Stomper. More details on that when it's confirmed for sure. Jason has so many stories, from seeing the cream of the Seattle grunge scene play tiny venues and house parties in the 80s and 90s, through to insights about the political environment of the US and the crazy goings-on in his area during Covid. I'm really excited for you to hear it. You can find Potbelly by visiting pig-record.rocks slash potbelly and on Facebook as well as on Bandcamp and other streaming sites. If you search for them, look for the logo with the scary looking cartoon pig. But without further ado, here's my interview with Jason Potbelly of the band Potbelly. Jason Potbelly from the band Potbelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, glad to be here. And, Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, just a just a quick kind of uh, catch up thing. You were you were on tour recently in Costa Rica, so let's let's talk about that first. How was Costa Rica at this time of year? I love Costa Rica. Uh, it's their dry season right now, so it's really nice. There's uh we got very little rain. It was just like little drizzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the west side of everything the pacific side is absolutely amazing the uh east side's a lot more humid so it's a little harder to deal with but mm. uh overall i mean the shows were great the people were really cool and the second show we played was at this mountain pass and uh on a property and a a clubhouse so they can't uh you know so they can do what they do there without uh charging admission and getting away with throwing shows it's very mm. uh, you know old school squatty yeah. kind of thing but um uh the highway had literally broken away from the rains 
So wow. I didn't think anyone was going to go. We got, we got there, but it was like there was one lane in this huge section and massive traffic. And I didn't think there was, was going to be anybody there. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Well, all right. Well, <laughs> and it turned it turned out to be a really good show. People were like literally parked at the bottom of the hill, walking up this mountainside to get to this fucking show. I mean, that's wow. sheer dedication uh, in Washington. I'd be like, ah, I'll see him next time. <laughs> you know? That tends to be yeah, the way, though, know. doesn't it? I mean, um, right. I, I was on tour last year um, over in Europe, and we were driving to this place in Czechia, and it, we were driving for hours off the highway. Like, we were hours and hours into the country, like, out into the fog, down these country roads, just fields on either side, and we turned up to this village, and there was just a hall there. And um, we were like, where the fuck are we? Like, wh- who is coming to this gig? And it was one of the most packed gigs of the tour. It was nuts. People came from like Prague and um and all over all over the place to come down. They'd come like a hundred miles to come to the gig. It was it's incredible. Sometimes those ones where you turn up and you look at the venue and you're like, nah, nothing's happening here. They can be the best ones. Oh, absolutely. Overall, for years, uh, you never know what the best show in your tour is going to be. But we played many, many shows in the middle of fucking nowhere that turned out to be just great. <laughs> I think it's you know people are fucking bored there. You know like where we're from, we live in a pretty small place. So the shows, they're not, they're not like the city. Like you go to Seattle, there's a show every night mm-hmm. where we live. If there was a show every night, no one would show up because they'd be over-exaggerated with how small the peop- amount of people that are there. Sure. So uh, they're few and far between. They're like once every six weeks is a show, you know? Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're pretty packed all the time. We're a band from like out of town or out of the country. Like we had raw power out from Italy, right? <laughs> right. Show up and like, what the fuck is this town? You know what I mean? And you know, there's, little bar totally packed great show you know but uh so it's like you just never know where you're where you're going to end up being yeah. the like you los angeles that's gonna be great yeah it's actually if you go to panoma <laughs> you know the things like that like that uh that really tripped my brain out as far as uh populace versus uh crowd uh anticipation <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can never predict it. Um, and so, yeah. so how was the Costa Rica tour anyway? How how long were you out there? How many gigs did you do? Well, the the I can't even call it a tour. I uh, mm. I went out there a couple of years ago with my wife and loved the country. Like mm. I'm a big nature fan. Love seeing the the crazy amount of wildlife that's there. Three point five percent of all living things on the planet live there. It's got thirteen separate ecosystems in a place that's half the size of the state I live in. And uh, so it's just incredible. You see stuff all fucking day long. Uh, and I kept uh, telling my band that I want to go do it, but I didn't know any bands there. Like when I was there, I was, I was in the, like the villages and the jungle and I didn't see any signs of fucking spiky haired kids. You know, that's, <laughs> I didn't think that it really existed, but I forget, I'd look into it anyway. So I started, uh, you know, researching online, just Facebooking it, punk bands in Costa Rica, you know, like, yeah. and uh I came across a few random things and bands that have been broken up for years. And finally I got a hold of a band called Altercados and uh, they set it up. The biggest thing that we ended up doing, uh, we were like, we looked at it like a vacation instead of a tour. So we, we uh, like, we're going to book as many shows as we can, which isn't very many there. Right. You know what I mean? And then the rest of the time we'll just be on vacation and see the ocean and go fucking hang out with poison dart frogs, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, we, we, we only played a weekend warrior thing. We played a Friday in Heredia and a Saturday in Cardigal. And, uh, there was originally supposed to be a show in Hako, but, uh, something happened with the promoters or whatever. So we ended up only doing two shows and being there for a week. So it was like, hey, that's not really a tour. It's more of a weekend warrior thing in another country, but it was, yeah. uh, 
really quite awesome. And the people there are so, uh, they're really responsive and really happy that you're there. They're very, uh, aware that there's not many bands coming there. So they've seen, you know, it's like, there's, you know, a handful of bands from there and they've fucking seen them. You know what I mean? So, so when a band comes through, they're, they're like really grateful and really, I, I must've taken a hundred photos of people. Can I take a picture with you? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. You know, like it was a fucking really good experience. I love to see that scene grow to a point where each city has its own thing the way that we do. And that way you could go on a real tour there. Hmm. Uh, as of right now, there's only like really five really populated places that you could maybe play. Hmm. And we were able to figure out over a course of four months, uh, only two shows. Right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a variable and they, they set things up very differently than they do here. Whereas like whoever's still in the show has to bring a PA, bring the lights, bring the production. It's like sure. they, everyone that's putting on a show is, production team rather than a venue you know like a, you know we pull into a fucking bar in seattle there's already lights there's already a fucking pa there's already you know they you, know, you bring a shit you know mm-hmm. but uh there it's uh everyone uses the same gear uh if you can't make their fucking porn jam sound good then that's your fault you know what i mean like <laughs> uh, the drummer uh, uh, you know the drummer plays on whatever drum set they have at the moment you know uh which is funny because our drummer's got like this big fucking like ridiculous Iron Maiden like rock set, you know, like, really? and it was like the little, it was like this little beat up punk rock set. It was like, you know, the one Tom, you know, that, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny watching him go, okay, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Get creative with really the roles. Great. Yeah. And every band there was, uh, every single one of them were fucking tight as hell. They were all mm. just like dead on solid on both shows. Um, and we played with a total of like seven bands or something. And honestly, I tell you their names, but I really not that great at Spanish in the row. <laughs> but, uh, 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 some really great stuff though. I mean, it was just like immensely tight, like mm. take like intricacy of, uh, of classical metal type guitar players and shit and press it into no effects sounding punk rock. And it's just like solid as fuck, you know, like, <laughs> that sounds pretty cool man i mean how, how many how many countries has pop really been to over the years uh just uh the united states canada mexico and costa rica oh, okay right, doing right. The, uh, yeah uh we've done a lot of u.s touring very little uh mexico and uh, and you know we go to we live about two and a half hours from canada so we go through time to time play that's mm-hmm. that place has got a good scene too vancouver bc has got a really great scene yeah yeah, absolutely. That's where um, is that where Pooza Fest is? Uh, that that is that what ta- that takes place, or is that am I thinking Ontario? I'm not. I'm not yeah, maybe Ontario. I'm yeah. not. Yeah, we never played the east coast of it. Um, everything's been on the west coast. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I just know Vancouver and and Victoria. Like we're playing there in March with the Dayglo Abortions. We played there a couple times with them. Uh, mm. But there's like it's, it's a good scene there. It's like everyone's kind of just you know it's like where DOA's at and yeah fucking uh where snfu is at and uh you know it's like you just show up and before chai died you just see him at our shows randomly you know like he's due to the crowd because that's where he fucking lives you know like you know um and that's the day abortions cool. are always always on fucking top of things mm-hmm. yeah definitely so um before i mean you, you you guys have been playing together since 1995 right yeah yeah and so kind of before that was there were there other bands that you were in, or was this like this was the band? These were the four yeah. friends because Whidbey it's, Island's quite a small place, right? Yes, it is. It's a uh, it's a series of small towns, and they're all small towns. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no. Uh, so I, in 1990 or 91, I met Jeff there and, uh, me and him started jamming together a little bit. Uh, and, uh, I hadn't heard from him for a little while. And one day he just called me and said, there's this, there's this thrash band, thrash metal band that's looking for a vocalist and a drummer. And, uh, that's kind of new or whatever. And uh, you guys want, you want to try out. And I was like, well, there's fucking literally no punk scene there at this point. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I like metal too. So I'm like, sure. I'll fucking, I'll, I'll go try it out. So me and him tried out and we both made it. So we started playing in that band. Well, through that band, we met a band called, uh, Grumblethorpe. That was, uh, kind of a crossover band and yeah. uh that was ken ball and curtis jay's band and uh they broke up and i quit zen and me and ken and curtis from grumblethorpe started pop belly in 95 mm. uh curtis quit in 96 and jeff from zen then joined pop belly and we've gone through a lot of member changes and stuff but that's that's just kind of how it started it was like two different bands that were like playing together all the time mm. uh Grumblethorpe wasn't Ken and Curtis's band. That was a band they joined. And right. Zen was a band that me and Jeff joined. So it was like other writers, you know, and uh, it was fun for what it was, but it wasn't our thing. And yeah. we wanted to do something on our own. And by the time nine, the end of 94 happened, we were, uh, we were all talking about it a whole bunch. And finally, finally practices started happening. And here we are. Because <laughs> I suppose as well, like you're under the shadow of Seattle, which is not far away. And I suppose at that time, it was the, you know, the grunge explosion was happening. So was that ever a path that you wanted to go down or was that not, not really your. No, I mean, I, have, I mean, I, I know people in that scene. Um, the thing about Washington state in general, really the Northwest in general, but Washington state is, it's, a, it's really kind of a homegrown rock and roll thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of places in the world that I know are like more tribal. People are like, we play punk rock, we play metal, we hate each other or right, rock and roll, yeah. whatever. And we're not like that here for the most part. We just, you know, I mean, musicians are musicians. We all kind of know each other from fucking, from, from school, from partying. We, it's all so small, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's all consolidated that like, you know, like, like Duff McKeegan who played in uh, Guns N' Roses, right? Mm-hmm. He's from here, right? Okay. So. So we know him from we know him from the farts and from Ten Minute Warning and from the punk bands he was in back in the day, right? Or yeah, or uh, you know, like uh, the Seattle scene. You know, Mike McCready used to fucking just hang out all the time from Pearl Jam before he became a rock star. But it's right. like you know, it, it's all kind of just grown and and uh, you know, so we all know each other. And some bands, yeah, some bands I don't like the same way I like others, sure. But as far as uh, being a unified rock and roll unit of scene, we're all kind of together. You know, there's no, especially in little places like where we live, there's no picking and choosing who's going to be at your show or what band you play with. There's fucking nine bands, you know, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, so, so it kind of, it kind of goes all over the place. There's, you know, uh, Mm. the punk bands play with the metal bands, the rock Mm. bands, the ska bands, you know, whoever pops up. And uh, as long as everybody's fucking good people, we don't give a fuck, you know, um, so no, the grunge thing was not my scene, but I was definitely around it a lot. Um, mm. I was at a party that landscape and they got beat up. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, life, life happens. And just cause, uh, one guy's on the radio doesn't mean he's not in the same neighborhood as me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so what were kind of some of the bands that you saw around that time that went on to be big then? Uh, a lot of them. Uh, I saw Nirvana at a, at a house party on the Ave in Seattle uh, in 1988 or 89 when I was a kid. 
uh, opening up in the Melvins. They had mm-hmm. no idea who the fuck they were. I was just going to go see the Melvins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Soundgarden, saw them a couple of times in the Ultra, oh, oh, Metro K uh, era uh, at the, uh, in Seattle at the, what the fuck was the name of that place? OK Hotel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had like some of the, the punk bands that were also like the accused for instance right like they were kind of connected with all those bands too because of because of well because of duff duff from guns and roses was in the farts with playing from the accused and then you have uh uh the guys that were uh in tad that started playing with 10 minute warning planes band after that and it was just all kind of intertwined so mm-hmm. you'd see a lot of those bands before they started getting huge or members that would uh quit a band and eventually go on to be a rock star in some other band. You know, it was just kind of the scene at that point. Is it, it, Again, a lot of the, the grungier, rockier stuff isn't really my cup of tea. You know, it is good for what it is. It's not for me that much. Yeah. But uh, but you were kind of intertwined. The unfortunate part about it was that the, the record industry became too industry in Seattle. And then they started shutting down a lot of the things that weren't that. You know right. what I mean? So bigger, bigger promoters, you know, like, oh, Kiss is going to play. Who's going to open up for him? Not you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of one of those things. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, the outskirts, you got to get away from Seattle. Fuck Seattle for a minute and get into uh, like Everett. Everett's got a fucking massive history that nobody knows about. Of right. Hardcore bands and pop bands dating back to the early 80s. The entire North Sound of Puget Sound. It's like every time you see a documentary about punk rock in the Northwest, they're always like, they hit Seattle, right? They talk about it for a minute. Or they hit Portland, they hit Seattle, then they skip right the fuck over everything, go to Vancouver with DOA. But there's like this huge, massive amount of history from from past that, that little spot that nobody really knows. Uh, You know, bands like the Dehumanizers uh, that fucking just totally killed it through the 80s. Uh, You know, like fucking... uh, again the accused but they they went on to be rock stars for a little while right like mm. you know um, uh, dumped positively negative they, the, the list the list is really big of bands that went went were real influential in our area yeah and only we know who they are right. <laughs> you know and that's the thing isn't it i suppose um geographically america's so huge that there can be these pockets and especially kind of pre-internet as well oh yeah there were things going on that probably never got out of the neighborhoods you know or the or the or the town that they were in um oh absolutely yeah and this is what i love talking to people about is like their local areas and their local scenes and the stories that you don't hear about so often you know right uh so were you obviously you after a while i suppose seattle was kind of a no-go for playing shows it was the outskirts then for you guys well we we it's not we didn't play seattle it was just that the uh the punk scene in Seattle started really dwindling with the all ages stuff. There's all kinds of problems with ordinances and shit at the time too, mm. which kind of started killing the all ages scene, unfortunately, and started pushing bands more towards the bars and the all ages bands away from Seattle. And uh, I mean, that was, it was, it was a real problem during that time period. Cause that Seattle was a big deal. That, like there was like a big, a, I think the, the kind of, it was a bit like the LA scene as well in that area. It was quite, was it, was it quite violent? Um, well, sometimes, um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen violence at shows many times, but most of the time I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that's, uh, kind of a, a given no matter where you're at, I think probably, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, 
where we're from, there's not a lot of violence at shows, though fights do happen every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, when, you know, uh, when some neo-fascist Nazi guy shows up, I'll kick the shit out of you. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably best for them not to show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. as far as, like, everyday violence, yeah, it happens sometimes. To, you know, some trick idiot drunk friends getting a fight or whatever. I mean, that, that happens. Uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't, it's pretty rare that something extraordinarily violent happens in Washington at a mm-hmm. show. You know, I, 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 it's happened. We played a show in Seattle where someone got fucking beat half to death outside of the baseball bat. You know I mean? Right. Things do happen, but, um, it's, it's rare. I mean, I've been doing this since 1989, you know, like, and I haven't seen that many horrible things when it comes to shows. Yeah. yeah, I think it was more but, like the eighties and maybe into the early nineties. But I, I like I said, yeah. I don't know whether that's the, that's the case. It's yeah. possible that there was probably more violent in LA because of the gang kind of culture down there as well. Because I know there were, there yeah. were kind of punk yeah. gangs in LA as well, weren't there? Yeah, there, there was a lot of that actually. Um, but uh, I mean, that's just the the life they had to live in the the poverty stricken place they were at. You know, what yeah. I mean, it's a uh, that's the unfortunate thing about uh, people when they're hungry enough, you know, Unfortunately, they're going to do what they can to feed their families and uh, desperate people have to do desperate things sometimes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a fucking ongoing thing. I wish them all luck and then they can get out of that culture, but it's, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, I know if I couldn't feed my fucking kid, I'd be doing what I have to, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly yeah, but you, you got to survive right it's you or them yeah. isn't it you know so but yeah. um yeah. yeah so growing up was was guitar the instrument for you or, or have you played other instruments as well like was your household particularly musical yeah my dad was a is a uh, guitar player um he was really into like anything from blues to bluegrass as far as playing he uh he got me into music at, at an early age uh with bands like uh kiss and uh uh alice cooper and frank zappa and black sabbath those kind of things um and my mom was really into the easier version of that like elton john things like that um and uh so i was really i've just been around my whole life you know um and when the 80s happened uh my aunt who lived with us was a little younger than my mom, a little older than me. She was really into everything. because She's a teenager at that point, you know, and during the eighties, it was like a lot of like the hair metal bands and shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, and, and slowly into punk rock. So I went to a lot of those shows. I mean, you pretty much name any fucking hair metal, butt rock band. I've probably seen them, you know, when I was a kid, uh, going with my aunt or my, my mom when I was little. And then, uh, you know, then I started, it's funny. Cause I, I, I got turned on to punk more, by seeing metal bands wearing punk rock t-shirts and wondering what it was. Right. You know, like he's wearing a Misfit shirt. What is that? Or a Ramon shirt, you know? And, and that's, that's what slowly got me into that. I guess. I mean, I think the first punk song I heard was uh, God save the queen from the sex pistols. And that was definitely it from my aunt. Sure. But um, as hey. I progressed and started learning things on my own, I obviously discovered a whole world that I didn't know existed, you know? <laughs> mm. So what that that's yeah. a pretty decent base to start from is kind of you know Sabbath, Zeppelin, Zappa, uh, even Elton yeah. John. You know it's a it's a it's a it's a good little playing field there, and then onto the hair metal stuff. Um, what what was I suppose you know when you when you started learning guitar, what was the song that you heard that made you think, well, I, I want to a I want to play that guitar riff, and B 
was there was yeah. there another was there another song that made you think well maybe i can do that as a living no it was never like that it was more just like i uh i had and i still do i always have it's like, it's like a curse and a blessing at the same time i have melody in my head all the time i hear notes and the wheels on your car turning i hmm. I, I can't get away from music it's all there at all times and it's been there since i was a child right. uh so because of that i never really set out to uh learn somebody else's material i learned uh you know my dad would show me songs like i learned a ccr song right you know that kind of thing when i was a yeah. kid uh but that wasn't necessarily because i wanted to learn that particular song it was because i wanted to learn how to play that instrument right um and i started writing almost immediately like as soon as i started fucking around with strings i started figuring things out and writing shitty songs that progressed into something better um but uh there was never like a song that was like, I need to learn that song. That's the one. It was more just like, I have these things in my fucking head that I need to get out. And that was uh, my way of doing it. How do I make that sound with this instrument? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so what, were, you know, what, what about your, it sounds like you had a pretty decent record collection at home, but um, what was the first uh, single or album that you bought with your own money? Cause these are often where we find out where the true, uh, pop fan lives. Iron Maiden Killers. Okay, I was that's really pretty, young. That's pretty. And cool. I hadn't. And honestly, I hadn't even heard of the album. Uh, mm. My uncle had a poster of it, and when I was really little, as what 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 year was that? Like nineteen eighty one or something? Nineteen eighty two, something like that. Around there, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah. And I was born in seventy seven, so that's that puts me pretty young <laughs> at that point, right? When yeah. I was little, that fucking record cover scared the shit out of me, right? It was like, <laughs> what is this? So when I when I got to a, a point where I was appreciating music on my own and rather than just being around it, I uh, I found that at the local record store on cassette and fucking bought it instantly. Mm. I, I mean, Iron Maiden's <laughs> album covers are just some of the best out there. They've got the most iconic-looking oh, yeah. uh, mascot in Eddie. Yeah. And you nicked that as well for Potbelly, right? You did the Swiller, uh, We're Still Swillers album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. That's <laughs> Wonderful parody. <laughs> Don't sue me, guys. Don't sue me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're listening. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, like you say, they're just, they're so iconic looking, those album covers. Um, oh, yeah. And I can I can totally see why that uh kind of um would attract like a younger a younger teen like were you a teenager at that point or even preteen preteen i yeah. was probably like 11 or something yeah. it's kind of that um it's like yeah. it's like a comic book right they all look like comic books yeah and it's exciting yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah so um what about the kind of live aspect of it like when did you start playing live were you straight out the gate i mean obviously you've been playing with those metal bands previously how long were you in those okay so in 1989 there was a kid band that was starting up no one really knew how to play instruments they were all in the sixth grade uh called salvation and mm. uh, they asked me to sing for them uh they thought they were going to be a metal band they were a bunch of metalhead kids you know fucking mm. but they weren't anywhere near good enough to be a metal band so really they were more of a a sloppy proto punk band right yeah. that was uh and uh so i did i we practiced all the time because none of us knew how to play fucking anything we we're all awful and i wasn't playing guitar for him i was just singing mm. 
and uh, we played one party in 1989, and that was the extent of that. I think we played like six songs. <laughs> uh, one of those songs, uh, Hick from Coopville, uh, ended up living with me. It's 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 on a popular record, you know. And I ended up re-recording it with that with that band, uh, with our band, years and years and years later. Um, uh, but then uh, Zen came around, and I was in that band from. 92 to 94 and then pop place i would then i joined a a, a pop punk band that, that needed a bass player hmm. uh called schizo in everett washington so i'd commute over for practice for that for a while but that was a uh, uh, very short-lived hmm. uh and then uh the whole starting pop play thing happened so it's like hmm. I, I just kind of went from boom 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 all the way hmm. through it um so i've been doing it pretretty much since 1989 I mean really since 1992 when Zen thing mm-hmm. happened because the 8990 salvation thing was a uh, very short-lived and w- played one show and never put out a record you know what I mean mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> but, um but yeah I did uh I haven't stopped I mean then I've played in a bunch of side project bands too you know over mm-hmm. the years uh me and my wife were in a band together called the porn stars of horror <laughs> and uh that band was supposed to put out one record and do a couple shows and ended up being fucking 10 records in five years <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah yeah and uh so it's just it's just been a a roller coaster the whole time I and mean, i'm 46 now you know and i started playing when i was 12 so mm. it's a lot of years of it a lot of experience and um i suppose we, what what would you say has changed the most in the kind of in organizing um you know tours and gigs in the in that in that time period because i assume you know early days it's the kind of looking in the phone book and trying to organize a gig via maps and and whoever has got the contacts for such and such a city yeah well back in the day it was uh you know where we lived we had to rent halls Mm. or there was no there was no bar or you know venue on Woodby Island. So we'd have to rent the, like the IOF halls and the mm-hmm. Eagles lodges and things like that and put on our own shows. Um, yeah. Or we throw house parties. The house parties are a huge thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then when it came around to pop, Bell was the first band I started touring with. Uh, and our first tour was absolutely awful. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I, and I, I've been since, the beginning i've been the guy that's been the guy trying to set everything up and do everything right. i do all the work i'm you know and uh so a pop belly uh when we first started touring our first tour was in uh uh 97 or 98 somewhere in there and uh it was all book your own fucking life i don't know if you remember that magazine mm. but there was a magazine it published it was just like it had every promoter, every club, every, you know, it was like some people were legit. Some people just put their shit in there because they're fucking assholes. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, so like you're, you're, you're basically just looking at uh, these big giant maps and looking at these promoters and calling each one of them and sending records to the mail or cassettes at the time or whatever the fuck we had. And uh, so it was a, it was a lot harder to keep track of, right? Like today, you just go online. Are they doing their job? Is there fucking flyers up? Is there, you know, yeah. <laughs> is there an event page? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. then it was, then it was like you're just at the mercy of whoever the fuck is uh, doing your shows. You know, yes. like um, but those early days, you saw a lot of cool stuff. Though, it was like fucking, uh, like playing in a basement with AFI. 
you know what right. I mean? Before they were a big band or, you know, things, things like that, or playing at a high school auditorium with gutter mouth, you know what I mean? Like there's like, <laughs> you know, there's random weird shit that happened back then, you know, like uh, because of those things, because no one knew what the fuck they were doing. No one. And, and at that time, a lot of those bigger bands that are, you know, big punk bands now weren't big punk bands now, then, you know, and sure. they were, they were doing the same thing we were doing. They're looking to book your own fucking life and fucking calling us. And we were calling them. And it was, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's some cool things that happened because of it. There's also just like a lot of like, you know, drive for fucking nine hours to find out the show's not actually happening. Shit. You know what I mean? That, that oh, did happen a couple of times. That's so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been reading uh, a lot of books. I listen, you know, I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff at the moment. I just finished reading bad religions. Do what you want uh, book. And yeah. I'm reading no effects is um, the hepatitis bathtub at the moment. And <laughs> yeah. that's a fucking brilliant book. And um, poor Mike and his daughter. Poor, poor Mike's poor daughter. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I just think of like everything that he said ever. And yeah. Oh God. But um, yeah, like the, it just sounds like, I know that obviously there must be a bit of kind of nostalgic looking back and, and kind of romanticizing that period of time, but it really does seem like the wild west in a way, like it was just people with no clue of what they were doing, but somehow, somehow these nationwide tours were, were done and like Christ knows how it Mm. happened, you know, without, without technology, how did you, you know, how, how, how are you supposed to function without a phone, without Google maps? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, if you talk to a young band today, they look at you like you're an alien when it comes to that particular sure. subject matter. Sure. <laughs> I, uh, and there was times where like, oh, wait, this map looks like this is a shortcut. And you start driving down, you're like, oh, no, I'm on the Oregon Trail. It's not a shortcut at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I can imagine, yeah, driving, because the, the drives are killer out there. That's the thing that I think us oh, yeah. Brits don't really understand. Cause like everything here is within an hour of the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's not here. Uh, the fucking Washington state's massive. And that's just one state. Uh, yeah. We had to drive through wastelands to get to the next gig. You know, it's just fucking six, seven, nine, ten hour drives, you know, between everything. Um, you know, if you play in uh, you know, like just going cross country, you know, you're, you're, you, you'll play a show every night, but every single day you're driving at least seven hours. You know, it's mm-hmm. just fucking uh, how it is. You get used to it though it, it wears you out the older you get the harder it is but we keep doing it somehow because <laughs> it's just what you know i suppose you know like you say you do get used to it it's tiring but the uh the end product actually getting up on stage of a night and playing for an hour and a half or whatever yeah. it is an hour is is totally worth it um despite probably not making enough money to uh to make it back in some cases but uh yeah i can imagine oh, yeah. you never know you're gonna get <laughs> yeah Especially in the old days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's I another mean, thing too. Is, is some countries, they, I noticed that some, like the standard set list time for bands in Washington state is a half an hour to 45 minutes in yeah. the United States. Right. Where uh, a lot of places it's an hour. Some places an hour and a half. If I try to play an hour and a half as fast as we are, I fall over dead. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, you guys, you guys play fast and you play hard by the sounds of it. I mean, I've listened to a bunch of your stuff. I haven't been able to listen to all of it because there's a lot of it out there. <laughs> but um, I've listened to what's available on, you know, Apple and, and Bandcamp and stuff. Um, and there's certainly uh, elements of bands like uh, Dead Kennedys, especially in the lead vocalist voice. Oh. Uh, yeah, me and Ken, the, it, the bass player, we switch off. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's kind of Dead Kennedys, there's kind of Bad Religion, but faster. Um, there's 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 a bit of metal in there as well. I can hear that influence coming through. Like, what mm-hmm. we what were your particular influences as a guitarist, and and kind of what bands have kind of influenced and shaped the sound of Potbelly? Oh, that's a that's a wide range of stuff. I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's like okay, so guitar player wise, RKL for sure is a big one. Um, Rich Kids and LSD, fucking yeah. uh, the Accused, which is on the other side of the spectrum, more metally, right? Mm. Um, Bad Religion for sure, with a lot of the vocal work, um, the harmonies, yeah. um, Millions of Dead Cops, with the with the intensity for sure, with the fast uh, DRI, that kind of stuff, real crossover, fast hardcore uh, was a big thing. The circle jerks is a big one, mm. um, but I could just keep going. I mean, yeah. the, the, the list goes on. You can go like Coxbar, fuck yes. On the other hand, the metal side, Exodus, fuck yes. You know, I could just you know like <laughs> so you just take, kind of take all these elements and uh, I don't know how to say. I think music always shapes you. You know, like I uh, I I can't say that there's an influence that was more than another from a childhood to the time I am now, because still to this day, I see a new band that can influence me in some way uh, musically or their stage presence or, or uh, some harmonies they're doing or a guitar, little fucking DTD, they did a little noodling, you know, like there's the, it's, it's always there. So um, I don't think that there's a, I can't just pinpoint it. I guess I could, I could go off on the, my top 500 bands if you want, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's a, that's a big fucking list and they're just, all over the place. You yeah, know? sure. <laughs> I, I've always thought that's the best way to be is kind of be open with your music taste and taking elements from everywhere because then you'll, yeah. you'll pick up, like you say, little bits from everywhere, which makes you sound more unique because you're kind of 
bringing in bits from metal as well as hardcore punk and pop punk and shoving it all in mm-hmm. a blender and you become a more rounded right. musician, I think, as well. Right. Let's see what happens when we take the specials in Exodus and put them together. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't know. Let's try it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. And also, I suppose, right. you know, politics is uh, kind of front and center in a lot of the songs. I mean, a lot of the albums and a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, the song titles are are funny and aggressive at the same time, you know. Uh, right. And yeah. uh, I, I guess like and as well as the artwork is kind of cartoony with the with the kind of pig mascot and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. do you take having fun seriously or are you serious but you want to stick a bit of fun on top like what's i think it goes both ways yeah i think there's been times where i was dead serious about a lot of things and had something to say Mm. and then times that all those things that i was saying was pissing me off too much so i had to write something funny sure to make it to break them not make me feel a little better right i mean i use comedy as a defense mechanism i always have and you can see that in lyric writing. Yeah. I don't mean the satirical, funny part things. That's not. It's not something that I'm. It's a. It's it's comedy to me. Those things. Uh, whereas a song like "Throw the Brick" is very fucking serious, right? You know. Um, so yeah, I try to throw in some humor. Maybe, maybe it's just part of. That's kind of my personality. Maybe you know, like uh, it's our personalities. We were, we're a bunch of fun loving people you know what i mean but we're also pissed about things mm. you know so maybe it's just uh, uh you know i mean when you when you're in the same band since you were 17 to you're almost 50 it's uh every the best part of you and the worst part of you is well documented you know mm. and uh, i think that that's a uh, pretty noticeable in the songwriting you, you'd be like there was a you know a time where I said something that pissed people off. So I'm like, Oh, fuck you then. I'll just double down on that. And piss you off. And then start writing some stupid shit that just, it's going to make you mad. The fucking, they're going to freak out. I ain't going to go full dwarves on this one. <laughs> and then, you know, then I'm like, okay, well I'm, I'm calm down now. You know, settle down my ADHD a little bit. Okay. Now it's time to write about something that pisses me off in real life. You know, like, so I think it's kind of gone every direction with that. I think punk rock is the, kind of perfect place to be able to do that as well like both the aggressive um kind of uh, heartfelt and and serious thoughts but also with a twist of uh, i suppose bands like no effects for example do that perfectly um you know they lampoon the left and the right and themselves Mm -hmm. and everyone else and you know (laughs) yeah yeah you know i think they're the masters of it actually um but yeah certainly like some of the uh the um the song titles that stuck out to me were stuff like revenge of fuck face the pig for example <laughs> or <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's 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 a bunch of there's a bunch of titles like that that just made me made me smile and then you listen to them and you kind of you're making out the lyrics and yeah it's just i i've i've, I've really uh become a bit of a fan really um so okay. i'm quite looking forward to the fact i mean the the reason that we uh that we're talking today is because you reached out on like a local facebook site um to do with music in the southeast of england <laughs> and i i answered yeah yeah uh, and uh and took up the call so hopefully at some point we'll be playing together um in the next few months over here so 
this is going to be your first time over in the UK, right? Yep. First time. I'm, uh, it's fucking, it's expensive to get over there, man. I am surprised at how expensive it is to set up shows in that, that area. Really, And maybe it's just because there's such a cultural hub there. People, bands fucking constantly getting hold of every promoter. So like, okay, well, like, if we got to pencil you in, that means there's got to be a you know down payment from whatever promoter and blah, blah. That's mm-hmm. not how it works here, right? So, so it's a, it's a little different for me uh, as far as booking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be there in July for sure. hundred percent. It's happening. We've got enough shows actually lined up to where I know that it's happening. So we're just trying to get a few other dates filled in and, you know, I want to do all of the UK if I can, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I want to do England and Wales and Scotland and Ireland. I want to do all of it. So, so what, what uh, shows have you got definitely lined up at the moment then? Oh, fuck. I don't have anything in front of me at the moment. Oh, no, I, don't um, worry. If you don't have the <laughs> but I know for definite there's going to be a London gig at one of the Signature Brew venues. Uh, yes. Yeah, I know that one. That's the first show on the tour. Yeah, so it'll be off the plane straight to the venue. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Are you planning on having any downtime at all, or is it just it's just over here and it's going to be one a night kind of thing? It's just gonna be one a night and go. Um, I mean, the, the luckily again, the most of the places are pretty close. I think the longest drive is like fucking northern England to Scotland, and that's like three and a half hours. Yeah, you know. So, and we're used to again, we're used to five to nine hour days every time we go on tour. So, um, uh, so that's nothing for us. We could we could sightsee a little bit while we're while we're at places and go to record stores and get pissed off. I don't have any money on me and. You know. <laughs> give hand jobs to the homeless to get a little money to get my record stores. <laughs> there's uh there's enough of them over here, sadly enough. So um yeah, yeah it won't be uh won't be difficult. Uh because um <laughs> much like I'm sure your uh, your government, our government is fucking this place over something stupid at the moment. Oh God, I'm not even convinced they're not the <laughs> same fucking government to be honest. Like it might as well have yeah. been for the past five or six years, maybe more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our government's fucked. There's, there's no correct answer. You know, yeah. Right now, we really are. We have the choices of the, the you know, the, you hear the lesser of the two evils fucking stereotype. But right now, it really is just that. Yeah. Like, you know, we had the choice of uh, this fascist, neo-fascist, orange piece of shit, scumbag, sexist, homophobic, fucking cocksucker, <laughs> or a warmongering corporate piece of shit. Right. That was, that's it. That's what we have. Don't hold back, Jason. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate them. I hate them all. You know, uh, like you say, there's no right answer. Unfortunately, nothing is, um, nothing's kind of coming to the rescue by the seams of things. So it's, it's got to be ground level, hasn't it? It's got to be the people take, looking after each other. It feels like, but where's the yeah, money for that much. coming from? <laughs> Fuck. Right. I mean, families are starting to move in together again. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, the economy is just getting weirder and weirder. Things are getting better in some ways and they way worse than others. You know, the housing market's ridiculous. I'm trying to rent a house. I've, I'm renting an apartment right now for $2,300 a month. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what the really? fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah, really. In a small town, not even in the big city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's fucking ridiculous here. Um, uh so because of that, you're seeing a lot more mom and dad move back into their kids or, you know, the families consolidating again, which is, uh, it's great that they're taking care of each other, but it's awful that they have to, mm-hmm. you know. Because I um, genuinely thought COVID was going to probably sort things out 
um, because it seemed like, I don't know how COVID was for you. I, I assume, you know, it was uh, not exactly the easiest of times, but um, it seemed like community spirit lifted a little bit more, especially over here anyway. I don't know, like say what it was like yeah. over there. Um, and it seemed like the idea was, you know, people finally started thinking about everyone like as a community and as a whole rather than as individuals and i thought well maybe this is going to be the start of something better and um yeah it's just it's not happened <laughs> if anything it swung right back across to yeah. like rampant like capitalism again and and yeah price hikes and no yeah. waging it's just yeah anyway <laughs> Yeah, not just, not here. It, I think it actually got worse. I think really? the 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 Trump administration in general caused more divide in this country than I've seen in my lifetime mm. than before. Um, and uh, I mean, it didn't help that we had that piece of shit on TV saying that it was a fucking hoax all the time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, these brainwashed fucking idiots driving around with big trucks with fucking flags on their back on the back of them, fucking everywhere. Dressed in full camouflage, some of them mm. walking around with rifles in the fucking their local Safeways, you know, yeah. and uh, and it was and it was very common for a minute there. That's what was happening, and they were purposely sneezing in each other's faces and shit. Is they it's a Democrat hoax, it's a Democrat hoax, and they're repeating this fucking idiot's bullshit. And if anything, it it created more divide in this country than ever before. We've always had we've always had divide here. Don't get me wrong. And we'll go back far enough. You know, you're talking about a country that was built on the backs of slaves and it fucking completely fucking wiped out the fucking the populace that was here before it. There's yeah. always been bullshit because of this country. But uh, in my lifetime, from the late 70s till now, I, this is the first time where I'm seeing like neo-fascist openly being neo-fascist. Mm. Why people are fighting against it and then getting ridiculed for fighting against it. Right. You know, you uh, they get them on the news and they start talking about how anti-fascists are now a terrorist group, you know, like yeah. what the fuck is that? Right. You know, like, and that's been happening since the Trump administration, but COVID doubled down on it. That was and, the whole thing that, all of a sudden, that move against Antifa. I, I had to start looking that up. I was like, have I got this wrong? Like <laughs> Antifa right. being like a terror. Like I, I had to literally look it up and was like, Oh no, 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 I am right. Like, <laughs> This is just absolute <laughs> bullshit, but it's it's amazing. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, the UK became a utopia during COVID. It certainly didn't. And we had our problems with lunatics and, and certainly divisions have become stronger since Brexit in 2016. And they were kind of widened a bit during COVID. But on the whole, it felt like things, you know, weren't quite so toxic and yeah, the, the the stuff coming out of America, like during, you know, it, it was it, a lot of it was Trump's speeches and things like that. And they always try and find the most uh, extreme people to interview on the news, you know, to give their two cents. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're your fucking neighbors. Yeah. I mean, it was with that like the the you know, the the, the neo fascists in their camouflage and the rifles. Was that happening in your area? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, a lot. We had. There's one idiot. <laughs> can't make this. Sh- I can't even make this shit up. Okay. You know, we'd see these. I don't know if you've had this problem that where you're at, but we have this. The caravan of fucking gravy warriors, what we call them, is a bunch of fucking fat white dudes in camouflage driving around <laughs> big trucks, right? They all these big trucks, and they all have these stupid fucking flags waving on the fucking back. And Trump won fucking 
American flags, whatever the fuck, Confederate flags, mm. which is a weird combination to put together anyway. And <laughs> fucking assholes. And uh, so there's this dude that was walking around my neighborhood that didn't have a truck. He was poorer than the rest of them. So instead, he'd walk around in camouflage, full Teflar vests, two rifles, handguns, knives in his boots with fucking flags sitting off his backpack. So he's walking around with these big dumb flags on his back because he didn't have his truck. This was common. Wow. <laughs> I, I, yeah. You know? I mean, it's I hard saw, to, It's hard to explain. I saw some things like on social media over here. I never witnessed anything too bad in real life. But again, as you say, people sneezing in each other's faces. There were people over here coughing and 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 spitting into like the faces of store workers and stuff. And you're just like, Fine. how brainwashed do you have to be? That's the thing. Like, I, I, I yeah, it, it wound me up. Yeah. So your, your COVID period, were you uh, mainly at home? Did you, did you manage to, how did you manage to survive it? Were you, were you guys okay? I was home for a few months and then, uh, and then got back to work when they, uh, when I was, when I was able to be, um, but I mean, we had, as a band, we had a whole bunch of shows lined up that obviously got canceled. We were supposed to be over there at that time. Okay. Uh, we were supposed to do our first UK and Europe thing. Uh, supposed to go to Indonesia. We had a bunch of stuff lined up, but all got canceled, obviously. Hmm. But uh, so it was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a blow. Like everybody else had to go through a blow, right? You know. Hmm. But uh, we doubled down and just started recording. That's when we did the Necessity of Rebellion album. We started recording it immediately we're like okay. well fine we're gonna be in the studio the whole fucking time so we stayed busy that way um as far as actual work you know it was a couple months of unemployment then mm. back to it when we were able to work the the part-time gigs or whatever with mm. water masks and all that shit you know yeah um so you weren't it, uh, you know weren't stuck in your house having to watch the news because there was nothing else to do like some of us no i mean we were able to go outside and walk around and shit. We just the most businesses were closed, so we weren't able to. Just, it's like you weren't going to go take your wife out to dinner. You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and public places were very discouraged upon going to, so a lot of the parks shut down and things like that. Mm. Um, luckily, I live in a in a you know a Woodby Island and the surrounding area is basically just one big rainforest, so you can go down to the you know you hit hit some trails, go mm. watch some fucking animals, do things like that. That you know I was able to do a lot of that. Which is, yeah. which is cool, you know, but, um, um, you know, hike out of the mountains, go to some waterfalls, shit like that, you know, just nerd out in the nerd in the woods, but that's pretty much it. You know, it was like, I had my band practices and studio time and, uh, and, uh, playing in nature. <laughs> but being able to get out into nature and especially into such kind of wild nature as there is there, it must've been, must've been quite you know, it's quite something. Is that something that you do generally during your downtime anyway? Or was it something that you kind of yeah. re- rediscovered? Yeah, been, I know I've, I've been doing it. I mean, I'm anyone from here knows their spots, you know, sure. I'm, I'm surrounded by uh, lakes and ocean and, you know, the on an island in the Puget Sound, <clears throat> you know, and then yeah. right past that is uh, the mountain ranges and there's, there's shit everywhere here, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, you, you take it granted, you take for granted those things because you're so fucking used to them. You know, you see a tourist pull up and they're taking pictures of fucking deer. Like, why are they taking pictures of deer? They see them every day. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they don't see them every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it seems like a wonderful place to to kind of grow up and live, actually. But yeah, like you say, you kind of become accustomed to what you're accustomed to, don't you? Yeah, yeah. 
But it's just like me being in Costa Rica. I'm fucking tripping out. I'm like, oh, poison dart frogs. People are like, yeah, whatever. You yeah, know, like. Right. <laughs> 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 so, because you, you released an album back in 2019 as well. So, like, was that early in 2019 or was it late in 2019? Then you couldn't play those, you know, you couldn't promote that? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, that was uh, Legacy Debauchery. That's the yeah, one. no, we, we released that pretty early in 19. We did uh, two tours, three tours for it. Mm. and then oh, okay. uh yeah so yeah. it wasn't so we, like we toured pretty good bands, on that. you know you, you re- released something at the end of 2019 had a couple of months and then that was it for t- two or three years yeah no we actually got back from tour not too long before the shutdown happened so mm. it was like we had gotten back usually when we get back from tour we take like two weeks off doing anything um, just to fucking regroup and not you know it's, I, we don't want to see each other for a minute. <laughs> I'm stuck in a van for that long, you know, like uh, no practice. I'll see you in a couple of weeks, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got back from tour and played three local shows and, and then the shutdown happened. It was like, we played uh, with TSOL in Bellingham, Washington played in Oak Harbor and then played the uh, Bremerton uh, at the Charleston. And then it was like that the night of the Charleston was right after they said that no more than 200 people could be in a room together. Hmm. So they they had the clicker out and they let 200 people in out house that night. But it was like, it was the first time I, that any of us saw people wearing masks and shit like that. And we didn't, you know, it was like, cause it was so new and fresh. We didn't really know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a lot, of, the information wasn't there yet. It was just kind of like, Oh, this thing's happening way away from us. And then all of a sudden it was like, it was there and they shut everything down two days after that show. So the, everything got canceled after that. Yeah. Yeah, I know I was playing um, up in London uh, the day before the lockdowns are introduced and we had a gig that the next weekend up in um, up in Camden and we were kind of arming and ahhing as to whether to do it. And then all of a sudden we were told, like, no more public, you know, public performances. Everyone's got to stay at home. So the decision was made for us. But, um, yeah, it seemed like there was a strange transition period coming out of COVID with various lockdowns coming in and out and stuff. But how have you oh, yeah. found gigs being both from like from like an audience perspective? Like, have you found audiences have changed at all since um, since COVID, or have, have things kind of returned back to normal? Uh, yes and no. Okay, so uh, the end of two thousand nineteen, the scene here was a. Uh, at its height, I want to say mm-hmm. it had grown to a, the best place it's been in many years. Hundreds of people, you know, fucking really good shows. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the COVID thing happened. And then when it, when it stopped happening, when we started being able to go back to shows, it was a very slow crawl. You know, you, people were starting to come out, but the big crowds weren't yet. Yeah, people were reluctant to come out to big crowds, so it was like. Instead of playing in a little bar to 80 people, we were playing to 30 people. And it just kind of it started to build. And it's getting back to normal now, all mm. these years later. But it, it's taken a long time to get to that point. Mm. You know, we played some really good shows this year, for sure. I'm really thankful for a lot of it. But it took a, you know, from, from 2020 to the beginning of 2023, it was from no shows to really small shows. And now it's starting to build back up mm-hmm. yeah i think that was that's basically been the way it's been over here as well i've noticed that my local scene has kind of got a lot more tight like the bands are more kind of friendly towards each other now because i think everyone missed it 
you know, misdoing it. Yeah. And there seems to be a little bit more in the way of like bands getting paid slightly more fairly as well, which is quite nice because it never used to happen much before. You used to kind of turn up and if you got paid, it was a bonus. Whereas now it feels like there's regular kind of payments, even for smaller bands now, which is quite nice. I feel like people are valuing live music a little bit more now, especially in my area. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that for sure. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, venues that have a cover charge or tickets, they, they've been paying us decently for sure. And then there's mm. venues that don't have charge, you know, it's a free show. So they charge, they give you out of the bar. That all depends on, uh, how many people People's, are drinking? Uh, <laughs> how many people are drinking? Yeah, exactly. And their yeah. appetite. We got paid <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, there is a, a definite sense of community in our scene at the moment, you know, like, and we haven't had too much of a problem over the years of bands, not really, you know, being competitive or being weird here. I mean, it does happen sometimes. It's yeah. usually some metal band crossing arms, you know, like, <laughs> whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, most of, most people are pretty, you know, cool with each other in the scene, you know, like, and uh, the bands help each other out, you know, especially on Woodby Island, such a small homegrown place. There's no, mm. there's not that many bands, you know, like, you know, I could, I could literally count them on fucking, there's seven bands right now in Woodby Island. So it's always yeah, like, you know. it's always, that, that, but I like, I like that. I like the community vibe. Um, over here, it feels like there's almost like a band on every single street. That's how it feels over here. But uh, so there's a lot of competition, but yeah, feels like people are, yeah, slightly more friendly than they used to be. Again, there used to be a lot of that. They'd turn up and they'd sit there, impress me you know and now it's right. uh, they get a little bit more involved which is always good um so yeah, good. No, it's, yeah. It, but what i love about the all these conversations that i have with people from wherever they are in the world it always sounds like music people are the same kind of people wherever you go and um, yeah pretty much yeah. i'm glad to hear that yeah the uh the the scene over there is uh just as welcoming and uh kind of positive and thriving as it is over here yeah no i I love it here. So what's what's coming up next then? So you released an album earlier on, was it this year or was it last year? Sorry. The last album came yeah. out last year. Yeah. Yeah. And so and we put out a lot of since then, but uh, I mean like EPs, we have a, fuck, I don't know, but uh, we put out so much records all the time. So what we did, just constant content. And we just came out with a split with Octocados and then, and, and, uh, in Costa Rica, uh before that oh, i think wow. we did two ep seven and a single or you know like since the album's come out i think there's been like nine releases right so um that's an incredible yeah. rate of stuff i mean it's well over a hundred releases over your over the band's career like yeah you say you've got music going around in your head all the time and obviously that is true like what are you the main songwriter in the band uh at the moment, yes. So we've had people come and go in this band that's, mm. that, that have, that have uh, contributed quite a bit on certain records. Um, mm. But uh, out of me, Ken, and, and Jeff, the three-piece that we are now, the, the core guys, uh, mm. I write almost everything. Ken writes occasionally. Um, mm. But yeah, most of, most of it's me. Um, when uh, we did Sterilize the Stupid and uh, 
Pop Princess Blues and uh, the fuck the name of that album was. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, when, when, Hans and, when Hans and Corey were in the band, they contributed quite a bit during that time period. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, Christian Ogden, when he was playing with us, uh, contributed. Yeah, there's a couple songs on uh, uh, Legacy Debauchery and on um, Test of Time that he, that he wrote. Hmm. Um, yeah, but... Um, I guess on a percentage level, yeah, I, I write most of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and that begs the question, like, how do you keep coming up with ideas for even the kind of fun <laughs> titles and and, uh, and especially like the lyrics and stuff like it just, it takes me an age to write a song. Uh, yeah, so... that's my hardest thing for writing is lyrics for sure. Cause right. I feel like I've already said fucking everything. You know I mean? Mind you are, our shitty situations in life give me new lyrical content all the time, but it's, it's just a new name to another shitty situation. It's like, you know, it's like going back to like fucking talking about the early eighties, hardcore punk bands talking about Ronald Reagan. Mm. The story hasn't fucking changed. It's just a new phase. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so like, you know, <laughs> it's fucking stupid, but it's true, you know, like, so I guess uh, lyrically it's, it, that's the hardest thing for me is writing lyrics. I can do it for sure. I do it. We put out albums, right? But it's a, uh, but it's more of a process. Music comes to me like fucking that. And give me a guitar. I'll write a song for you right now. Mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah. man! If only I had that that kind of brain. I just don't have it. But I've got good people around me who do write good riffs. So uh, so I'm lucky there. <laughs> that's good. But, um, that's good. No, it's it's amazing. Uh, the, the 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 output that's come out. Like I said, I've listened to a bunch of it. I've nowhere near scratching the surface i feel like but yeah so what what's next um you know what have you got any new uh music in the pipeline or is it literally you know oh yeah you're, yeah oh yeah <laughs> it sounds like we you're got, always uh, recording do you do you record a lot at home or is it do you, do, is it all remote no, we have a, we have friends that have studios that we end up in their studio i i don't know 10 <clears> times <throat> a year or something we're in the studio um mm. And uh, like if we're doing a split record with somebody, we're not as concerned about doing uh, writing new material for it because it's, you know, we're doing 507 inches, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Uh, so we'll do a re-recording of an old song or something like that. Uh, occasionally put in a new song on it. But uh, like right now we've got a, a split with Punic from uh, from Japan coming okay. up. Um, that's in the pipeline. And we have a uh, an EP coming out. Uh, with that comes with a comic book, it's pretty rad. It's oh, right. uh, like just see slide in the comic book, boom, pretty cool. Uh, so that's that's the next in line that I'm working on right now. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, there's uh, there's talk of some UK bands doing a splits with us before we do this tour. There's but it's just in the talking stage, we'll see how that kind of pans out. Um, okay. and um. Altocados, that split we just did with that band from Costa Rica. They're coming mm. up here to tour with us in uh, fall next year. Wow. Uh, down the West Coast of the United States. And uh, I think that there's a couple bands that they know that are interested in doing stuff with us too. So I'm kind of just kind of playing, playing it out. You know, I, I usually... Honestly, I, I set up more plans that could possibly than could possibly happen. And that way, when something happens, I'm fucking stoked, right? Like let's yeah. just do a split with every fucking band I know. One of them's giving me tracks. <laughs> One of them's <laughs> going to help me out. You know, like when I'm going to help them, they're going to help me. It's going to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, so I, you know, that's just 
that's how I've always done it. That's how we have so many fucking records out. And there was a long time where because of our, our kids and our lives, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, various legal problems and yada, 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 we weren't able to tour a lot for a period of time. So I just dumped all my energy into putting out records and splits with bands constantly. If I can't go out there and sell records and tour and do that thing, then I wanted those fucking bands that were touring here's a split with us. That's still getting our name out. That's a cool piece of wax. They have something out of it. We get something out of it. You know what I mean? And we've done all that a lot. I mean, we did splits with DOA. They yeah. used the fart, or not the fart, but a fang fucking, Whoops. Uh, the dwarves. Yep. Yeah. yeah. One with the dwarves with DI. Uh, I love DI. Uh, I don't know. There's a fucking bunch of bands. The list goes on. It just, it's just a, you know, like our millions of dead cops split. Yeah, you know, that's been pressed like nine times now or something. And mm. you know, it's uh, and that was kind of the idea. It was just like I can't, I can't tour. We couldn't tour as much as our peers did, so I just dumped as much money as I could into fucking throwing up, putting out records and splits of bands that I knew that were touring all the time, and it worked. That's incredible. And yeah. that and how 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 did those kind of things come about? Is that just emailing guys or like? Most of the time it's because we were playing a show with them and then I'd end up fucking housing them at my house. We'd have a good time. We'd talk about it. And next thing I know, I'd have tracks. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's just an email. Like when we did, uh, I helped put together the series, Shut the Fuck Up and Listen. It's a series of seven inch compilations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were uh, designed specifically to have little bands like my sister's band, the Skeksis, right? Little mm-hmm. garage band. No one knows who they are outside of where we live, right? Yeah. They were a band at that time. And I put them on a record with the fucking Misfits. You know what I mean? Like, so my idea was that I'd get a hold of these rock star bands. Most of them might say no. Some of them might say yes. But and they did. So I started getting tracks sent to me from bigger bands, and I just put them together with the smaller bands, and it, it, it worked out to be a really cool series. And that's kind of how I've been looking at it. You can't every band out there. If you don't try, the the answer's no, right? Absolutely. If you, yeah, if you ask, you might get a yes. You might not, but what's it going to hurt to ask? Yeah, that's um, that, <laughs> you know? and, and that's a way to kind of I think people don't realize how easy it is to to just ask a question, whether or not you get the answer. You never know, right. like you say, until you try. And and it sounds like you've had more more pro- probably it, it seems like maybe more yeses than noes, but I'd imagine probably not because that's not often the way it works, you know. Well, also, I mean, a lot of the bigger bands, you have to go through their management team and blah, blah, blah. And that's a pain in the ass before you even talk to somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you might not even get a response at that point, right? Mm. But I've gotten plenty of responses. I'm on a lot of records, a lot of bands I really love growing up. I mean, I'm on compilations with fucking, like I said, the Misfits, fucking mm. the Subhumans, you know, uh, Against All Authority, Citizen Fish, fucking, you know, the, the list is so big i don't even want to fucking go into it and it's all because of that so it's just trying it's like fucking uh you know you play with a band like tsol or something talk to them your mm. band opens up for fucking no effects talk to them mm. like you know i mean it's you know you're getting a break in one way try to see what you can do with the next mm. that's not just for you don't make it about you you know that's why i do compilations and not just splits all the time it's it's about opening up the scene about fucking bringing us together, getting the little fucking band that's a garage band that's 16 years old and putting them on a record with DOA. You know what I mean? Like those are, the, that's a way to help your entire scene grow and not just you. 
this is it. It's all that's, about that community. All about community. I yes. mean, my first ever band got back together in 2021 after like 15 years away. And um, we started putting on our own shows this year and trying to get a group of musicians and a group of bands together and um, really trying to create a community. And we've got a little group of maybe seven or eight bands in the local area now that we know that we can call on at any time. And yep. I really like that. You know, I mean, you know, we're not on the same level as like trying to get bigger bands involved, but certainly when you start building something, the potential is there, you know, and, and yeah, I think yeah. that's really inspiring. That's how it should be. Is just, uh, you know, uh, punk rock was supposed to be homegrown from the begin with. I mean, now it might sell out stadiums, you know, mm. the Misfits plays Madison Square Garden and sells it mm. out in five minutes. Right. I understand that it, it grew into something much bigger, but on the underground do-it-yourself scene level, there's no reason for competition. I know there's bands that are better than other bands, but mm-hmm. the bands that aren't as good as the, those, they're still fucking up there kicking ass and doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And they deserve recognition for what they're doing. Every time you put on your boots and get on that fucking stage, you're putting your life on the line. Every time you drive to the next show, every time you do everything, we live for this moment. The life's about now. It's not about fucking... It's not about making plans for tomorrow or yesterday. It's about fucking what you're doing in the moment. And fucking, if you don't seize that, what the fuck are you doing? We only live once. I'm going to be dead 20 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking do something with yourself, you know, like, <laughs> and help anyone you can on your way out. Jason, that's amazing. I had a couple of extra questions to ask, but I feel like that's an excellent point to end on, you know? Like, it just feels <laughs> like that's, uh, that's an excellent way to kind of live your life. And it's something to leave everyone listening on, I feel like. Okay, good. So um, <laughs> what, what I'm going to say, one last final thing, where can people find Potbelly if they want to follow them and listen to the music? Oh, oh fuck. Well, <laughs> Pig Records, the label we're signed to, has us all over all their fucking social media. So you can go to like Pig Records Rocks, the website. You can go to fucking Pig Records Bandcamp. Uh, their YouTube channel, it's PIG, Porno Entertainment Group, um, with an I. But I mean, really, honestly, because the name Potbelly is also a pig and a fucking stove, and there's been two other bands that have popped up called Potbelly over the years, if you type in Potbelly Punk in any Google bar, you'll find a giant list of shit and just have fun with the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. I can wholeheartedly recommend it as well. Cause that's what I've been doing the last couple of weeks in preparation for this anyway. And, uh, and awesome. for playing with you guys next oh, this year, should I say um, yeah. in, a, in a few months time, Jason, thank you so much for talking to me today. And um, yeah, yeah, good. hopefully I'll see you in a couple of months. I'm going to press yeah. stop on the record, but don't go anywhere just yet. There you go. What an interesting and thoughtful guy Jason is. Who knows how he does everything he does, but I'm really glad to have met him and had this chat. He's really inspired me to up my game in my local scene, and I hope some of the things he spoke about have struck a chord with you too, especially about community building and looking out for each other in these crazy times. Again, you can find Potbelly by visiting pig-record.rocks/potbelly and on Facebook, as well as on Bandcamp and the other streaming sites. And remember, if you search for them, look for the logo with the scary-looking cartoon pig. I'll pop what links I can find in the show notes. 
Thank you for listening as ever. And until next time, take very good care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to this episode of Band Biographies. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies or by emailing bandbiographies at gmail.com. See you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.